It's not the end result. It's the exploration and the joy of trying and failing, which is something that we're not rewarded for in most contemporary life. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my class, Meditation for Busy People, where you'll learn how to relieve stress and discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, Podbean. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram or TikTok and check out our shop for merch, music, and musings. The links are all in the show notes. Hey there, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled, 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 thrilled to have this week's guest on the show. Let me tell you about Joseph W. Rodriguez. Joseph is an actor, a writer, and he's the producing artistic director of Playhouse Creatures, where he's produced over 30 plays. Wow. Uh, For the Playhouse Creatures, he's produced things like Still Life and Execution of Justice and many other, other, other shows. He's also done Macbeth. He's done A Streetcar Named Desire in regional theater, American Buffalo. Yay. We love David Mamet, Breaking the Code, which is one of my favorite shows. And Joseph is a proud member of AEA and SAG-AFTRA. Joseph, thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled to be talking to you. Welcome. You're too kind. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, this is such a pleasure. So you and I met through a mutual friend, and I came to see you do a sort of staged reading of David Harris' Skylight. And one of the things that I loved about, about seeing that show, seeing that production was that you took up a show, a play that is not done all that often, certainly not in the USA, and you made it one of the sort of featured shows in your salon. And I would love to ask you if you would, and we're gonna, I'm gonna just jump in because I wanna talk to you about who you are and where you come from, but I do wanna ask your thoughts on when you're making those kinds of choices as the artistic director, what, are the criteria that go through you when you're making the choices about what shows to put on? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so much of it is is really about our ethos um, as a company and the shows that are not only topical but evocative for an audience. And thank you for uh, mentioning our Salon series, which is a free programming series that we've created. Uh, where monthly we provide readings of great plays where our audience, uh, which is comprised of our supporters and uh, donors, may come free of charge and listen to um, a, you know, it's more than a reading. Um, It's an elevated reading because we have some staging involved and, Mm. Uh, of course, there's the, the the great lure of free wine and cheese. <laughs> and grapes turn, for us vegans. Who can turn that down, of course. But um, it, certainly one, one of the primary things that we think about is what is this play about? How does this affect our audience, our society in this moment? And 
those are choices we make about the plays. Um, sometimes we're not as um, what uh, we're not as. Sometimes it's just we want to put on a great play, mm. um, and that that has its own uh, importance as well. But uh, the first three plays we put on have been really, I think, uh, special and have addressed those uh, social issues that are really part of our whole um, mission as a company. Okay. So I love that you said that last part because it's in thinking about this notion of uh, theater yeah. as activism. Right. I, I went to college at the University of Michigan and was in the theater department there. And we did a lot at the time. This was right before the musical theater department at Michigan became the musical theater department at Michigan. I graduated right before then. But but I remember sort of feeling that that sort of quickening of theater is activism and theater is something that can open people's minds and, and give them things to think about. So when you, I mean, and David Hare just passed away right when you did Skylight, which I, what a, um, what not a. Not David Hare, but uh, Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon, that's right, yeah. that's right, I'm sorry, who starred in the original, uh, in the original production right. in England. So in thinking about that, in thinking about like theater as activism, what I, what I come to is this can be earth changing, earth shattering, earth everything. If we use the platform of entertainment to give people something that's really thought provoking that might spur them onto action. So when you're Absolutely. making, yeah. So talk to me about that. If you would, what, what is the message? You said that that's part of your mission, but what is the message that you want to bring to the people? that people can be uh, engaged, entertained, and energized to, uh, and I hear this from my board, I hear it from, uh, from supporters, um, donors, why don't you do something that's more commercial? Why don't you, mm. and we could easily do that, but uh, my retort is, that's not who we are. Mm. We, and that's not denigrating commercial theater at all. You know, I go to Broadway. I I go. I I love that escapism. I love that uh, entertainment aspect of it. But I think we can do something different, and that's not what our theater is about. It's about um, not only engaging, but inspiring, and hopefully inspiring to activism. That when you leave a show of ours, you're not only thinking, but you, I want to do something. Mm. I, I want to make a donation. I want to join a, a a soup kitchen. I want to I want to do something. Uh, the experience has, uh, in some ways, not only inspired but changed me. And I know that's a huge, that's a huge uh, hope, but that's what we aspire to. And, you know, I, I don't know that it's a huge hope, honestly, because 
if we're open to it, it it can change our lives, right? I the, hope so. The, I hope so. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I'm taken back to the first play I ever directed, which was Pam Jem's radical feminist play, Dusa Fish, Stas and Vi. And this was in college a long, long time ago. And uh, looking at these four very different women and how their lives were changed by one another and also by the circumstances they found themselves in very four very very different life circumstances these were all things as students in college we weren't quite there yet we weren't quite ready to experience those things and yet it the four the five of us who were who did the show who put on the show it changed us all so within that I know that you're hoping to have these openings, to have people be activists, to have people go, I want to make a change. There's a psychology at work there that makes us think it's possible. So I guess what I want to know from you is what is the psychology inside yourself that makes you think it's possible, that we can not only want to make change, but can make change? I think, uh, again, you know, there's the old adage, um, people rise to what they're uh, offered mm. in terms of, and if if you only offer them simplicity, that's all they will be required to rise to. Mm. If you give them something with complexity or challenge or engage them in a way that they're not used to, I think... I, th I think we underestimate or undervalue what our audiences can be or, or who our uh, supporters can be. And um, we need to elevate we need to elevate our game. So they are elevated by extension. Um, that that's just a, a primary belief of of mine and what what I think our company is about. I love that you said that, that it's a primary belief of yours, right? So much of what we do as performers, whether it is being a singer or running a theater company, is again, the belief, the the state of mind or the point of view that, that you can, that it's something that you can do, that no one is holding you back. It's one of the reasons I moved to New York City actually was because this is a place where anything is possible and where if you have an idea, wow, there's probably going to be other people who go, yes, let's do that. So if you can make it here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I won't I won't start singing. Uh, but for you, this has been a journey, right? You you kind of went to this place also of where am I? And the last time we chatted, you told me a little bit about your story and that notion of where am I? And where I am is not where I want to be. So I'm going to change things. Okay. So I would love it if you would tell me for yourself, because this this is the Creative Solutions podcast, and you came up with a creative solution for yourself, really transforming your life. I would love it if you would trace that a little bit and go, because I've already talked about my college situation, right? But uh, can you talk a little bit about what went through your mind where you were, to where you are and how you made the decisions to go i am going to make radical changes in who i am and what i do so that i can get closer to sure, sure, what sure. i love um to your point um uh, i i was an attorney 
I had a, a legal career and um, that was something that was, uh, I don't want to say foisted upon me, but uh, it was not something, you know, an alternative was not something that was uh, given to me as a, as a potential path. Mm. Um, and no criticism, <laughs> <laughs> enough therapy for that. Um, <laughs> I love it. But, um, but it, you know, I had this moment of this epiphany where I said, I'm at a point in my life where I can make a radical change. And what will that mean in terms of uh, the trajectory of my life? And um, too, too infrequently, we, we have big thoughts mm. about, not only our own lives, but about what the world means. What? Um, why do we create art? What, what, because we get so bogged down in the mundane, we have to get to the next level of of, of success. And um, and I think careers and um, futures are caught up in that. And as if somehow, <laughs> as if somehow, we actually have control over any of it. Mm. But what we do have control over is, uh, I think, the positive and the good we're able to do. And uh, and so much of that is tied into what we choose to do with our lives uh, slash our careers. And uh, I think that would, I mean, that was the turning point for me professionally. Um and uh, I took a sabbatical. Uh, my parents lost their minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I took a year of acting study. And uh, I, I can't say ever that it was a bad choice. It was a transformative, uh, positive choice. And I think I've done much more good uh, and that's also something. I'm, listen, I have so many friends who are successful who have total focus on their personal careers. But luckily enough, uh, for a variety of reasons, I've been able to be a part of this company that actually does more than uh, elevate my own career. Mm. It, um, it it moves work forward. Uh, it has, as you know, a very activist um, component. And not only on stage, but off stage, the work we do off stage, I think is, if not more, uh, if not as certainly more important than we do on stage. Mm. Um, although we, we have a very uh, robust on stage uh, history. Uh, but I just feel that the two are so inextricably bound up. I, you know, you, you can't be, um, you can't be just focused on your own work. Mm. At least, at least I can't. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And and part of part of it for me and you, right before we started recording, I had to make a quick phone call to an agent about the Carolyn Group I lead, and kind of go, oh, uh, let me uh, let me get this gig bound, blah blah blah. Let it get. Let's get the paperwork done. And one of the things that I said to you right before we started, 
right before we hit the record button was, yeah, we're we're entertaining. We are engaging with people and people feel very, uh, generally speaking, happy to be a part of what we're doing, right? We actively invite the audience in. And that's one of the things I noticed when we saw Skylight was that I felt, yes, it was a staged reading, but I felt invited in. I felt like I was a little bit of a fly on the wall for this very intimate play. And I feel like the work that you're doing at Playhouse is doing that same kind of thing on, a, on an ongoing basis that I I feel very a part of it. Even though I've only seen one one show, I feel very a part of it. Is that something that is... Uh, is that something that's endemic, that's inherent to what you're trying to do with the with the production company, with the theater absolutely, company? Absolutely, absolutely. I want people to be, um, for lack of a better term, I want them to feel like they're in the room with us. Mm -hmm. Feel that they are part of our process. I want them to feel uh, that the experience is something that they can share. Uh, and again, I don't want to criticize most commercial theater, but Often it's very presentational and, mm. and there's nothing wrong with presentational theater, but often it's, I'm going to watch a TV show on stage mm. and I, I want our experience, our theatrical experience to be something where people can almost reach out and, and, and frankly, in your case, you could reach out and touch mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. So I, I want it to be a very visceral, exciting experience for our, our audiences and, uh, so they feel like they're a part of what we're doing. Right. And they the, are, quite frankly. Sure. And and the thing for me is that it's a it's a presence thing, right? I feel I felt like I was in the moment as it was happening, which to me is that's what great acting is all about, is it's happening for the first time. Uh can can I ask you what sure. do you do to foment that? What do you do to encourage that? If there's something conscious that you and the rest of the players and the directors and the techs and everything, if, if you are focused on that, what are some of the techniques that you might use to engage your audience, to bring them in even closer? Um, some of it is um, venue-based, choosing uh, locations that actually uh, allow us to have the proximity that you referred to. Um, some of it is staging. Mm. Um, we've been working a lot the last year in London. Um, very exciting about our collaborations there, but we're doing a lot of that same kind of work there. Mm -hmm. Um, and also trying to elevate the stage reading to something that's more than people sitting at a music stand reading off a script where I, I think from your experience, you saw, we had some blocking and <laughs> we had some, we had some challenges with the, uh, uh, with the ska band next door playing. Right. <laughs> but that's actually all of those things I think are very exciting uh, because they're real and you're in the moment and you're dealing with it as a performer and as an audience and you're sharing that experience and that's that's very visceral and real. Absolutely. And that and that was the thing. Like you can imagine the the skylight takes place in an apartment. 
And you can imagine that there is a four o'clock in the morning, somebody's practicing. So next door. Exactly. In that neighborhood that they lived in. Right. And she lived in. Yeah. So for sure, that's again, it's it's incorporating it into the experience, into the entire theater experience. I remember when I was in college, I was taking an acting class and we were building a character out of no out of nothing. Essentially, it was no character that had ever been built before. And uh, my character ended up being a woman accused of witchcraft in the 14th century or something like that. And what was interesting about it is we were just supposed to walk around the theater space and just walk around in whatever way we wanted. Somebody knocked something and and a bl- block of wood hit me in the head and it obviously hurt. And my professor just went, use it, use yes. it. And I went, okay. And so to, to make that even go further, then he said, and now you're gonna get a phone call. And I'm like, okay, how does a woman in the 14th century get a phone call? So I had to incorporate all of that. And it was God speaking to her after she'd been hit on the head, but, but <laughs> you know, because that's what you do. So, so that kind of in the moment development happened because I had to go with what was in front of me or what, what had literally hit me on the head. So I would love it if you would chat with me a little bit about your process. In addition to the company's process, what is your process of developing a character, of looking to bring to life something that has only been on the page for you before? Um, that's a great, great, great question. Um, I am, I'm a Stanislavski method trained actor, a mm. uh, member of the actor's studio. So, and early on when I was first acting, there was sort of uh, uh, adherence, almost religious adherence to a, a, a technique. Mm. But what I've learned as I've done more and worked more is that you adapt to what your role requires. Mm. And there's no one <laughs> there's no one sacred technique. And the more as an artist, you can uh, avail yourself of different ways to work, whether it's uh, Strasberg or Adler or um, uh, Bobby Lewis or, or uh, whatever you should, you need to know all the ways to work because sometimes you walk in and you pick up a script and you, I get it. I don't need to do any work. Mm. And sometimes I don't get it. I need to do all of my technique work. I need to go back and what's the temperature in the room. I need to find all of my emotional triggers, all those mm. things. Mm-hmm. And I think as uh, an ever evolving artist, you need to be open to that mm-hmm. and, and figure out what works for you with regard to a specific role, mm. because they're all different. They're all different. And, and- that's magical, even, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's natural, even to the point of sometimes I pick up a script and I can one read and I I know the lines. Mm. Other scripts, it takes me weeks to get off book. Right. It's a what slog. Is Why is that? Is there something in the rhythm of the writing? Is it something in the connection to me on a personal level? But it's it's a process. And actually, the most exciting part of acting is the process Mm. it's not the end result 
it's it's the ex exploration and the uh, the joy of trying and failing and mm. uh, which is something that we're not rewarded for in in most contemporary life we're only rewarded for success and, the and finished product the finished product mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. not what i mean that's the the most amazing beautiful thing about theater is that it's never a finished product right because every night it's a new product it's definitely a new i mean i this is one of the things that i realized about myself was i wasn't made for eight shows a week <clears throat> I personally was not made for eight shows a week. Uh, it is draining. It is. I, I can I've, tell you. I, I believe you. <laughs> uh, and and yet, I every time I've done theater that has been sort of a touring situation or a longer term commitment, it is different every time. The energy of the audience is different. The energy between you and the other people on stage is different. Cues get missed. Uh, my my, <laughs> I was doing. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was Titania, and her big scene with Nick Bottom, the Weaver. I was I, I had gotten to the Thou Art as Wise as Thou Art beautiful line, and I forgot my name. I forgot where I was. I forgot what show I was doing. I forgot everything. And the only thing I could do, Joseph, was go, oh, well, <laughs> because nothing, you know. And everybody knows that's where she's supposed to be all simpering in love. And the entire audience cracked up. And luckily, my Nick Bottom was like, I'm just going to keep going because I, I just screwed up. But it was so in the moment that everybody giggled, you know? And that's part of the communal experience that one only achieves with live theater. If it were a movie, there would be no mistakes. If uh, And kind of the exciting, dangerous aspect of live theater is there's always the potential for oh, sure. And uh, things go wrong. And part of the joy and excitement of it is how do we navigate that? Right. Because the mistakes actually, as a teacher once said to me, that's where, that's the, that's the acting. That's the secret sauce right there. That, yes, that's how you deal with. Of course, we all know our lines, we know our blocking, but when things go wrong, what do you do? Right, so what how do, do you, you listen do? and react? What do you do when things go wrong? <laughs> um, I've been fairly <laughs> lucky. Um, I actually, uh, I had a moment in a show in 2017, uh, we were in previews, and Mrs. Packard, uh, Emily Mann's play, we were in, in Boston, and I have this big emotional rant, and it just went out of my head. Mm. I had no idea. And mm. took a moment, which seemed like an eternity, <laughs> um when there's nothing going on and i i just call for line mm. just call for line and yeah. uh the stage manager gave me the line and we went on and it reminded me of uh this experience when i saw doubt <gasps> several years ago with cherry jones mm. and she came out and she was doing the show and she went up and she stopped, called for line, tried to start again, exited the stage, came back and said, I'm so sorry. I got to get myself back together. Mm. And I so appreciated that from uh, 
not only as an audience member, but it's not really happening. Right. <laughs> you know, this is a play. Right. But uh, there was such um, a connection to the audience at that moment mm. um, that wasn't there from the facade of the play going on. Mm -hmm. This was a real person having a moment. And uh, I, I felt so privileged to be a part of that as an audience member. Mm. Yeah, here's someone, a great artist who's struggling mm. and it's not afraid to say, I got to get myself together. Right. <laughs> But that vulnerability, wow! Yes, that you was know? the ultimate vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, and and was... you know what? It's so special. It's so special to know yourself well enough to go. I'm not going to blither on. I'm going to take a second and I'm going to center myself. And oh, the I'm confidence gonna... in that. Yeah, um, wow! It was amazing. amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And she wasn't thrown. She just said, "I got to step off for a minute and pull things together." Right. And I thought, oh my god, I. No, because usually you're blah, 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 or trying to pull, you know, improvise or make up lines or she just said, I got to step off. Yeah. And it was amazing. She came back and it took, I don't know, one or two minutes, probably got her lines, came back and was fine. I but love it. I was so impressed by that. And uh, I would hope that... Uh, when the next when the next uh <laughs> blackout happens i'll be able to be as um generous with my audience as well absolutely and you know like who hasn't been there who hasn't started to open up their mouth and go i don't what's my name where am i you know i it happens it happens our brains are constantly going just thinking about how just how much stuff is coming at you at any one time. We're hyper-stimulated oh. all the time. How can we always be right on the money? It's I think it's nuts to assume that we can be. So giving ourselves some grace. And she did that for herself. And she did that for the audience right then. It was, she, remarkable. Get, it was, remar I, it was a remarkable moment. And, yeah. Uh, as I said, I, I felt privileged to be in, in the space with her. And, that, and again, that goes back to my elemental belief about live theater is that it is uh taking us back to our origins where mm. people sat around campfire and told stories shared yes. stories yes and, uh, there's nothing like that regardless uh, whether it's going to see aladdin or it's still a shared experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with an audience and live people on a stage uh, telling a story and that's something that uh, I hope, I don't think it will, but I hope it, it continues to go on. And um, the kind of stories that we want to tell at Playhouse Creatures uh, may not be the most commercial or, uh, well, I, I think they are uplifting. I, let me correct myself before I say that. They are, uh, I hope, inspiring and engaging and uh, engaging people to be uh, agents of change. Mm -hmm. that we don't want someone to come and there's nothing again i said it before uh, wrong with going to the theater and disconnecting and uh, god knows we we deal with it we're dealing with enough right now we need escapism mm -hmm. but that's not our theater our theater i hope or the kind of theater that we create is something that moves you to leave the theater and say i need to do something um, 
I, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't want it to be an experience where that I have sometimes when I go to the theater half an hour later, I'm sitting in a bar or a, at dinner and I'm saying, what did I just see? <laughs> what was the play? You know, what, what was that? I want it to be something that resonates and lives with you and uh, hopefully moves you to change and activism. Yeah, I I think that's that's beautiful and lovely, and I I I hope so too. And it's interesting, you know, what you said about sitting around a campfire. I talk about that all the time. That the myths were explanations for why these things happen in the world, and the original, you know, the Greek tragedies. They were they yes. were looking at so much of. Why are these things happening? Why do people die? Why do we have seasons? How do we explain what's exactly. happening in our world? Exactly. Right yeah. And and when we have someone brave enough to go, you know what? I'm gonna take a stab at giving this explanation and then we share it. Wow, that is that is life altering. So I'm Yes, and it's also something, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to share a, a different perspective or mm. a different experience because uh so too, too often of late, we're trapped in our, whether it's ethnic or political silos or whatever the, those silos may be, and we don't have a window into other people's experiences. Mm. And we may not accept them if you tune on to you know, uh, MSNBC or Fox, but if you go to the theater, or you through art, I think we can connect and we can share different experiences and we can meet mm. new people and we can uh, learn about new experiences that we otherwise wouldn't be open to um, because it's under the guise of entertainment. Uh, and it can be entertaining, but it can also be educating. And I think life, life affirming, life changing and, uh, Again, uh, I'm on my soapbox, but that's the kind of theater that I hope that we're that we've produced and continue will be continuing to produce. I, I love that you said that, and and one of the things that I am getting from what you're saying is that it's about forging connections, right? Whether it's internally in your own mind or whether or not it's the audience to the actors on stage, or the actors or the tech crew with one another, that there is, like you said, a shared experience, but a sense of almost recognition and familiarity, because the shows that I'm seeing that you're doing so much strike at the heart of the human experience. And I, you know, me, I'm a fangirl of, I, I have a tough time not being a fan of all theater or most theater. So, so I love seeing that this is the perspective that you all are taking, that it is the shared human experience that is also thought provoking at its base. So yay, <laughs> I'm glad you're doing the work that you do. Oh, Esolda, you're too kind. I mean, I, I'm getting all verklempt here. <laughs> as long as you don't get kerfuffled, I think. I good. don't. <laughs> I'll step off there. Uh, so no kerfuffled. Um, but yeah, Joseph, I know that you have to go, but I would love it if you'd come back because I have like an, a list of another 45 questions that we didn't get to. Oh, I would uh, love to. Thank <laughs> you so is, much. Such and a... we're so excited because, as I said, uh, we have some big plans. Um, we'll be doing a uh, taking the salon series to London. Yay! 
in January, where we'll be reading two classic American plays from the downtown movement, uh, along with a um, Burn This and uh, True West. But along with that, our um, associate artistic director and I will be teaching a workshop, a free workshop for the Well Read series, which is in London, which is uh, a whole advocacy group that helps uh, young underprivileged youths uh, not only improve their verbal skills, but also um, introduces them to theater. Uh, so we'll be doing that and Erica or Erica um, Stevens Abbott, our associate artistic director, will be expanding on these two playwrights, Lanford Wilson and Sam Shepard, but also in including the other playwrights, women playwrights from that era, from the downtown era, um, Irene Fornes and um, Judith Molina, people like that. Um, so it's the Yanks are coming to London. That's fantastic. And if somebody... I mean, I'm I'm excited. True West, Lanford Wilson and Sam Shepard are two of my favorites. Anyway, I'm very excited to, for what you're doing, even though I won't be able to go to London and and see these. Uh, I would love it if, if somebody wants to know more about Playhouse Creatures and also uh, where to find you. Uh, how do they connect with you? Could you give just, I know people learn differently. Some want to see it, some want to hear it. Can you give sort of Instagram or your website or something so people can find you? Absolutely. Our website is... a the uh, ubiquitous www.playhousecreatures.org and um, on Instagram we're at Playhouse Creatures. Perfect. And, and um, we'll also be doing we're, we're in the planning stages of over the past two years we've been uh, presenting a retrospective of the uh, great Emily Mann's work mm. um, in March, we did a reading of her play, Greensboro Requiem, a community reading in London. And then um, what we're planning now is uh, a reading of her play, Execution of Justice, about the murder of Harvey Milk, mm. which will be uh, a benefit for the uh, gay center here in New York and the newly opened LGBTQ center in London. So we'll have simultaneous readings going on in this kind of hopefully epic transatlantic event and uh, you can tune in uh hope, we'll see if technology will support us <laughs> yeah that that technology is great until it isn't uh joseph before i let you go i know you've got to run uh i have one question that i ask everybody who comes on the show, I find that it's a silly question, but it can give some really profound answers. And the question is this, if you had an airplane, environmentally friendly, of course, that could skywrite anything for the whole world to see, what would you say? Listen to each other. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you for saying that. And in part because on a personal level, I don't know if you know, the play that I said that I wrote that I was going to send you, um, the script, is called Listen. <laughs> so, and this so was I'm, not staged. This, this was, was all. Not, this, <laughs> nobody, I mean, if unless you've listened to the end of one of these episodes, you don't know that this question is coming. I never tell anybody. So I'm super grateful that you said that. Joseph, once again, 
thank you for being on the show. Zelda, I appreciate thank you so much it for, for for the time, and uh, I would love to come back. I, I anytime. Well, we're gonna have to do like maybe a a series of you talking about some of the stuff playhouse creatures but also your own your own career and your own process this is fascinating to me if you've been listening to this you need to find joseph you need to find playhouse creatures you need to go to the salon series it's free how can you not uh it's amazing theater it it happens right in front of you it is really visceral and you feel very connected to the players to the show to the script you get to talk to the actors and the director right afterwards because they're almost always right there and they're very inviting i love the one experience I had. I can't wait to have more. As I said, I wish I could go to London and be there. Unfortunately, I can't. But you know that I'll be here next week with another episode. I think we're doing um, the You Should. That's the episode. Until next time, this is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast, reminding you to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the show if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2024. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. <laughs>